Hello and welcome to MiceCast with your hosts, Greg and Mike. Hello, and tonight we are trapped on vacation with Earl, the immensely popular worldwide show and syndication on the podcast network. Earl, welcome. Hey, how's it going? It's going live, good. Live from the vacation home, as he calls it. Yes. I'm in the Tiki Lounge in the vacation studio, yeah. And, and, and what are you drinking? I've got to get my drink out, by the way. Where's my... I'm going for right an apple... Now, I'm, Apple what? I'm going yeah. for an apple martini right now. So. Wait, you got to remember Earl's the one that says you have no man card. I yeah. was going to give you your, your man card back tonight, but with that, now nah, it's still in my pocket, dude. Apple <laughs> martini, shaken, not stirred. Yeah, out of a bottle, right? Yeah, pretty much. Who's pouring? That'd so, be me. That's my, that's my beer. Somebody <laughs> gave this to the old lady, and she didn't... Well, she likes these, but it knocks her on her behind, so... So, She's not much you, of a drinker. Did you hear that, though? Earl's pouring a beer. I heard that. Good for you, Earl. Well, yeah, best... You're always you know, going to be coming out of a glass. Yeah, if you're going to have a beer, put it in a glass. None of this bottle crap. No, bottle's okay. It's cans that are forbidden. I don't even like the bottle. Tap it. If I'm going to have it, might as well give it to me on tap, man. Okay. But only with pizza, right? Uh, pizza oh, and peanuts, onion rings, yeah. Peanuts. Oh, pizza. Beer <laughs> and onion rings. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> You're sleeping on the couch, man. Don't <laughs> make the dog sick. <laughs> That's gross. Okay. Try it show. before you say that. Yeah, back to the show. <laughs> so, Earl, I hear that Disney World employees are pretty much crappy, just like well, Disneyland's, huh? Wait, wait, wait. Let's do the whole proper setup. <laughs> All right. There's another show where one of the hosts made their first trip to Disneyland. The show will remain nameless. We're not about... Bot- you know, coming down on other people. It's not coming and down. It's just, it's, just, well, it's okay. a real life observation of what they said. So. And 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 this particular show host, their first trip to Disneyland was satisfactory up until the point where they had to deal with surly cast members. And then they went on to talk about how much more they enjoy cast members at Walt Disney World in Florida. Thought they were better. Thought they were more into the Disney way or the, the smiling, happy people thing they got going on and it left me wanting to examine and figure out why maybe there's a big difference between cast members in California and cast members of Florida so I browbeat Earl to coming on to give the representative view of somebody who works in Florida or yeah works in Florida and I believe Greg and I are qualified enough to comment on what working in California is like Though, our, our, yeah, our perspective is a little outdated from the last time we worked there, but I, you know, one of my best buds still worked there, though I think his view is usually tainted by his own personal um, well, Earl you know, has twisted a, view. But Earl know. has a saying that frontline cast members don't know squat. <laughs> Pretty much. That sounds like a military point of view, you know. Well, like all the all the people who who pop up on Disney forums and message boards and live journal and just about in my space and say, hey, I'm a Disney cast member. I work at Rock and Roller Coaster. Here's what's going to happen next Tuesday or in the next eight months. Yeah, no. Frontline cast members, we don't know anything. We learn we learn our crap the same place everybody else does from, from the Internet, just like just like you guys do. No, I, be- I believe that because when I worked at the park, you talk about rumor mills. I mean, we had one guy starting one that, you know, they were going to change the Mickey to um, Kermit 
and the flowers at the Magic Kingdom. <laughs> uh, and people buy into this crap. And that's the, that's the amazing thing. You really find out how stupid people really are. And really in a mass. It's like mass hysteria. Uh, it was going to be Eisnerland instead of Disneyland. And uh, all this shit that people just grab onto and, and, and go with because uh, they heard something. And usually it's hearing something from someone who doesn't know squat backstage in a you know break room somewhere. The funny thing about that is back when I worked at the Disney MGM Studios, we could spot the DFs from a mile away, <laughs> and, and the and the internet DFs were even more obvious. And every time we'd come up with we'd come up with some insane rumor that we would just make up, and we would wait to see how long it would show up on the internet. Oh, that's great! It was it was hilarious. That's an interesting um, social experiment. Yeah, uh, like well. Millionaire is closing on the 19th, but it's been rumored to close about 29 times. Yeah, and, and so is this one for real? And you are no part responsible for that, right? Uh, not for about you know four of them. But. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what Mike and I argued and this about. This one is for real. Good. Okay, Mike and I argued about Tarzan closing because I had read somewhere out there on the internet that it was just closing for rehab to enclose it. That it was going to reopen it at Tarzan, and this was going on for a while. And then finally, we find out it's it's going to be, I don't know, some other stupid show. Now you're referring know. to Tarzan Rocks and animals. Tarzan Rocks, yes, not not the Treehouse. Uh, okay. All right. Now so, you just wait. heard that. Wait, no. you heard the rumor when it was closing? When it was first closing, I read a couple threads somewhere in someone's website that said it was going to reopen as Tarzan Rocks. They were just going to enclose the theater because of the heat issue. Oh, they, that's an interesting rumor because before it was closed, we knew about Nemo out here. Really? And, yeah. Okay. Nemo, let's see, Nemo and the Animal Kingdom. Nemo, Nemo, underwater. Uh -huh. uh, nah, it just doesn't work for me. Well, I don't <laughs> think so either, but I don't make the rules. Maybe it'll be heavy on piranha, because that would be <laughs> cool. You know, Nemo's being chased by the piranha or something. Yeah, funny. Yeah, who knows? Fisher friends, not food. Yeah, Fisher yeah. friends. <laughs> it's all about conservation. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right, so let's get to the task at hand, shall we? What do you think we were doing? Your typical mice cast tangent on. Were we talking about rumors and cast members? It was all kind of this synergy no. thing going, right? Oh, okay, synergy. <laughs> yeah. So Earl, um, you've been with the park how many years? Uh, since 1998, minus six months. Uh, well, just call it eight years. Yeah, eight years. Eight years, and you've, let's say, been around the world. I, yeah, I have. I've worked at, uh, at three different theme parks and resorts and other areas, too. Yeah. Now, let me so ask you... Every business unit I've been in, except for foods. Okay, let me ask you something here. And this was a this was something that Richard and I talked about the other night. He's, you know, the cast member. I guess we're going to have to start calling him something else because someone nailed him in the park one day. So, I don't know. Irma? Um, Irma. I don't know. We'll figure out some name for, for Richard. Uh, but... You know, out here we have unions, and you know there is no cross in the union line. And every time they ask, you know, one union to do something that's you know quasi maybe another union's uh, area, it's it doesn't go over real big. Now you're not the first cast member at Disney World I've heard say that they've worked at multiple places. There was someone else's podcast, we'll leave nameless, that they were also talking to a Disney World cast member who's worked resorts, worked attractions. Uh, I think merchandise, it's, it's really kind of a, 
in my mind, an odd thing. You don't see that much movement at Disneyland. Really? So yeah. if a person wanted to change roles, well, I mean, here you do. I mean, you would switch unions if you go from like custodial to transportation. Oh, I've never worked transportation either, but um, we there are different unions. Like security is one union, but you just have to you know transfer to that union. Right, but you are you are a right to work state. Yeah, you don't exactly. have to you don't have to well, join yeah. the union, right? Exactly, but I mean, if you did, okay. which which is one of like our our union isn't exactly the strongest union. We only have like seven percent of of the population our union out here. Ours aren't, you know, Disneyland's aren't that strong either. So, in my opinion, they are. I used to be the union president of a certain area I worked in, but yeah, there is transfers. Richard didn't start out in the area he's in now. He he transferred, but. But how many times did it take him to move, though? It took him four tries. It took him a while, but I just it seems as I hear more Disney World cast members talking about much more multiple areas. In fact, Richard was telling me somebody he knew that was in security and might get called one day. He said, "Hey, you know, we got some extra hours, but it's over here in you know some non-security um, kind of function." So I wasn't sure if they allowed people to just uh, willy-nilly swap, or they scheduled them willy-nilly all over the place, or. Um. Well, here you have to you have to be in a role for um, if you're a new hire, I think it's a full year before you can transfer, and for people who are already here, it's every six months you can you can transfer to a different area. Now, do you hear but, use those terms role? Yes. I don't hear cast members in over here using that term. Role. No, I've actually never heard that. We're all cast members, and we think on stage, off stage, but I never heard the role thing used quite. Really. Quite a mo- yeah. You know, it might be that, something that, that I've just—I may just have forgotten it over the years. It's uh, not something that stands out in my no, mind. No, that's an institutional term that I don't think you. Uh, I don't. You don't hear Richard use that term either. No, Earl. Do you guys have the uh, your class year on your name tags out there right now? No, we don't. Okay. We uh, have okay. Our our name tags for the happiest celebration on earth are horrible. Are they gold? They're no, they're white, and uh, it has Cinderella Castle in the middle, which makes no sense. Well, I guess because we work at Walt Disney World. Um, but then it has, it doesn't have our hometown on it. It has Tokyo, Paris, Hong Kong, and then Disneyland down below it. Or so, what's it? something like that. I'm trying to remember. I, I guess it didn't. I don't look at it. Yeah, it, I, but it, they don't look nearly as cool as the gold ones that you guys have yeah. out there. I guess it didn't stand out to me when I was there. When I was there last spring break, I saw so many of the Hong Kong Disney World trainees with, I think, was it a red name tag or a red ban- uh, little oh, banner they had underneath it? Like Eight-foot eight ribbon hanging yeah. on their name tags. <laughs> <laughs> they trip on that while they're walking around. Well, you know, they, they, they were. Yeah. They were some of the best people ever. My, I, I worked with about about six of them, and they were just. The, funniest people in the world. My best Jungle Cruise experience to date, I think, covering Disneyland and Disney World, was with one of the Hong Kong trainees. It was a riot. And then when I went back with my wife and family in August, I had probably the absolute worst cast member who should never be given a gun or, you know, a pass to drive a vehicle for Disney World. It was horrible. I mean, I've seen a few of those. Oh, nothing worse than a bad Jungle Cruise. 
I mean, to me, that's like yeah. the, the epitome of the worst experience when you've got a live person there who doesn't give a crap about what they're doing. I mean, she put well, the th- thing all the way forward, never turned around. She was spieling for things that we weren't even by. It was horrible. <laughs> yeah, one thing um, about about Jungle Cruise. Did you hear my, my show, like, about, when was that, like, eight months ago when I did the Jungle Cruise? And it was just awesome because the guy was playing the role that he didn't want to be there. But you could tell he was faking it. Oh, he yes, did the, yes. He did, he did the whole thing in a monotone role and, or a monotone voice, and it was just it was just awesome. He was just, like, rippling on everybody around, and he acted like, you know, he didn't want to be there. But you could tell it was an act. That was the best, the best cool. cruise I've been on in a while. That's cool. But it's the people that, yeah, you can tell that they're just, like, going through the motions and not even doing that. When it's horrible, but but things about that though, it could be you know, you could have got them at a bad a bad time. Yeah, you know that's always possible. This was a fifty something woman who, you know, just you know the, the microphone was practically shoved in her mouth, and uh, it just compared to the one I the two I had from the uh, Hong Kong experience. I went on it, we went on it real late at night, and there was maybe five of us on the boat total, and we had two trainees. And, you know, I wouldn't lean over, you know, when she says, oh, you're going to get wet, lean forward. I just sat there and smirked and enjoyed the show. And she's like, you know, move. You know, I tell you, you know, and, and stuff like that. It was just, it was a riot. So we came back, my son and I, for, and got on the very last boat. And they gave us the other girl. She let my son drive. She let him shoot the gun. And dipshit me was the only time I was in the park without my camera was this this moment. And I forgot I had my stupid phone camera which i never use anyways but she they made it a really good experience because they it seemed like they the enjoyed last, working the last shows of the night on the jungle cruise are probably the best one year i was there with some friends of mine who works the land and we hopped on the last boat ever and you could tell that the person driving up like there wasn't anybody in the queue except for the five of us and they were driving up they didn't see anybody in the queue so they thought they were going to get a dead boat for the last one of the night, and then they saw our, our us, and there, there was a look of disappointment on our face. <laughs> so we hopped on, told her to sit down, and, you know, we're like, yeah, we know how it is. Just we're cast members. Go on. Just put her in drive, and let's let's get on with the show. And then later on, like, as we pulled out of sight of the dock, one of my friends who worked on the land boat ride picks up the microphone, and he's pointing out a... Uh, all the different plants around, but not even because the land boat people don't know anything about plants except for their spiel. So he's doing a land boat spiel on the Jungle Cruise, <laughs> to, pointing to the hippopotamuses and calling them nine-pound lemons. Oh, that's and funny. Just doing the whole entire thing. It was it was hilarious. But of course, you know, if we were if there were any guests on board, we wouldn't have done that. Oh, of course, it was. It was a good time. You know, one of the old favorite pastimes on Pirates, I don't really know if they still do it, but <laughs> late at night Sorry. when it gets really thin on the crowd and you've got a young couple that are looking like the nature is calling, you might spread them out and make sure there's two or three boats empty in front of them, two or three boats empty behind them, go up to the tower and see what nature you know, intends two humans to do. And this used to go on all the time, and uh, there's some great That's stories. Hilarious. And then you know, then you get on the microphone. Oh, please keep your pants on. This is a family attraction. You know, things like that, and it's just you know. <laughs> conventions that happen all the time during conventions at Epcot. That's just amazing. Yeah. 
Oh, I could tell you some some stuff in the parking lot. Add alcohol to the mix. Add alcohol, that's right. You got booze. Booze the green equalizer. Well, all you got to do is get a parking lot in a car, and people think they're, you know... Unseeable by the rest of the world. <laughs> uh, some of my best stories that I really can't repeat, even on our podcast, happened in the parking lot of what we found. It's yeah, just it's that. That'll be for, that'll that'll be be for the X-rated version. Best, yeah. All right. So you weren't working at Walt Disney World security, were you? Back in uh, 1999. No. No. Okay. No. That wasn't me. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, to sh- me in, the, in, in the boardwalk parking lot. Yeah, no. <laughs> That's funny. That's good. All right. Okay. So what we're talking about? Here's a good question for oh, Earl. Because yeah, Earl, done anything to our, our topics that we're going to discuss? Have we? No, no not really. Not really. I, I want to com- okay. compare us. what Richard's telling me about Disneyland right now, as far as training. Because the average person right now, the name tags at Disneyland have supposedly your, you know, your. Um, the year you started. Yeah, I was going to say something else, but yeah, that'll work. The year you started, and it's rare to see anything older than 2000. And those people How about are f- rare to see older than 2005. Yeah, yeah, it's far and in between to to find anything that's got a 19 on it. But uh, and I guess now they're going to change it to where you're from. And some of these cast members are so cynical. Like if Earl, if you were to say where you were born versus where you are now, a lot of these guys are making up. Things they'll say they're from you know BFD or they won't put that on there I'm sure but they're it's like they don't want to engage the the public because that's supposed to be the thing like you go to Vegas and your dealer says hey I'm from Florida and I say oh really where what part of Florida oh I, you know I'm from I'm from Clearwater and I you know I lived there most of my life and I'm retiring out here in Vegas and you know it's it's a thing to strike up a conversation and the cast members are like almost like I don't want to strike up a conversation I'm going to say I'm from uh, nowhere and if you don't say on the paperwork, I guess where you're from, they're just going to put Anaheim. It's like you know. So, so that's a new thing out there. That's going to happen yeah. when they change their name tags off the fifty uh, so cents. Yeah. Oh, that, I mean, you didn't have that before, though, out there. No, no, no never had that. Really, we've had that. We've had that since well, as long as I can remember. Um, in fact, during a um, hundred years of magic, back during Walt's birthday, that whole thing, uh, they switched our name tags to as your favorite attraction. Oh, I, that's kind of really, cool. That's cool. And, and it, but it was the only your favorite attraction that was still there. Oh. I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't put Horizons down, but I picked oh. Carousel of Progress, which was the precursor to Horizons. Sure. And and the whole the whole point of that was to initiate to facilitate conversation with the guests, and the guests would come up and be like, "Oh, your favorite attraction is Carousel of Progress." And I'm like, "No, it's actually Horizons," but you know. And, <laughs> go into that whole thing because well Mission Space wasn't open at that time yet yeah just but, yeah, so it, and but before that yeah we had our hometowns up there although apparently there's a uh, a city in Maine called Blau B-L-O-U-G-H <laughs> <laughs> yes so yeah just read that out loud you can you can figure out what's what a lot of people's name tags said <laughs> Ah, uh, that's good. So here's what Richard was telling me. Because <laughs> you know it's you know what the you know what the abbreviation for Maine is, right, Greg? The abbreviation for Maine? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I I got it. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, my might actually had my hometown at it because like you don't know many people from a small town in Michigan, so. Good for you. 
Yeah. Good for you. Small will, town. Yeah, I went to a small, you know what, I'll give you, a, it's like the analogy of I went to a, a high school, a very small 300 people and smaller probably high school, yet years later I meet Mike who marries a girl who graduates three or four years after I do, whose cousin meets a girl in L.A., and I went to school in Anaheim, actually across the street from Disneyland, who marries a girl from this school. And I keep bumping into people that went to this 300-person school. I mean, it's just weird, but it's kind of like that. Yeah, you never know. Uh, my, my, My grandmother's from Elmer, Missouri. You could You could blink and miss this place. You know, you can spit, ac- spit across the town. I mean, it's that small. And every now and then, you, oh, yeah, I know where Elmer is. Yeah, it's just kind of weird. Um, but anyways, what Richard's telling... Go ahead. Yeah. I've actually run into people here at Walt Disney World that I haven't seen in, like, 15 or 20 years that I grew up with. Oh. And, like, it's just totally random that you're. I'm just walking down the street, and there's an old friend of mine, and they're like, hey, Earl, what's going on? Except they don't call me Earl because that's sure. not my real name. Yeah, they call but you trapped on vacation instead. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> but uh, it's just it's just totally weird. I mean, everybody seems to come here at one point in time or another, and they happen to find me. Yeah, see, and that's that's a little farther stretched than us seeing people at Disneyland because we went to a local school. But you're almost across the country. How many people it was in Walt Disney World? Yeah, but the, yeah. The number right now is about 55,000. Daily, right? Daily? Daily. Does it go up for the summer? Uh, I haven't heard, but... Because um, Anaheim used to double in the summer. Uh, really? We don't really... Yeah. We get a, we get a few more, um, like, the high school kids and, and stuff like that. But say, Greg, didn't really, it go from, didn't it summertime, go from, it stays about the same. Six to ten K? Well, 6, summer's, 000, 10, summer's busy, but it's not your busiest season, is that correct? Oh, yeah, it is. Is it for 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 a season for okay. for a two week period? The Christmas holidays uh. is busier than than the summertime, but that's only two weeks. Okay, well if, if you were... if stretch it out, I mean we have you know Magic Kingdom is filled to capacity all the time during the summertime, and so is well Animal Kingdom now has been getting more numbers than the Magic Kingdom. Thank you, Everest. But they have Everest. Yeah. yeah okay, but. but I don't know the numbers, but the the highest peak attendance is at Christmas time, isn't it? Though, yeah, around then. Yeah, two three weeks at Christmas time. Um, all right. But here's where I was, I was trying to get to. We keep getting sidetracked. This has to do with direct correlation of what we we're talking about. Richard's saying now, when you get hired off the street, if they can find someone to hire off the street and work at Disneyland, that you we used to go through like a full day. At least a full day seminar, if not a day and a half, I don't remember exactly. But you'd go to the Disney University, which at Disneyland used to be in the uh, administration building that also houses the diorama on the trains right there off the harbor. And you'd get. In fact, you could sit in one classroom and hear that stupid pterodactyl going, Scrick! Yeah. So you'd get all of the indoctrination, all the the Walt stories, all the what it's like to be a cast member, how privileged you are to be here and working. You know, and all that kind of stuff. You get a tour around the park. It was literally a full day thing. Then you would go to your area. For example, I went to security. Excuse me, to security, and I had at least, you know, a day of classroom, half day of classroom, two or three days working parallel with other people in the park. 
before I went to the shift because I went from a because I was full time. I I went to a you know um, first, second, or third shift and got trained again there. Though that training was more like here's the map, go out in the park and find these keys because we had these security boxes you turned keys in at the time. Uh, he's saying now you're lucky to get a half day at the university, and when you get to your area, they practically just throw you out to the wolves. Now, really, I think he's being a little cynical because I. For safety reasons, I can't believe that they're that cavalier. I don't know. He's trying to tell me some days, you know, hey, look, the Disney Clothiers has five five registers, and I never see more than two people in there. Well, I go in the parking lot, and I'm like, hey, Rich, saw four people working the register in Clothier the other day. No, that never happens. So, you know, there's a little bit of the cynical view from the guys that have, he's been there 25 years, I think. Coming up. So uh, some of the old-timers are a little cynical about the present time, it's you know, it's always it was always better in your heyday than it is oh, in the present, you know. So I think a lot of that is tainted, but I don't have any first person you know experience to say that because I don't feel like going back to the park and working. So. So in Florida, what's the what's the new hire procedure there? Well, on our coast, um, let's see. Back when I started, we had two days of traditions at, at Disney University. Two full days. One of those days was spent, um, at least half the day was spent walking around the Magic Kingdom, even if you weren't working at the Magic Kingdom, just to get the history of, you know, why we built the place. And and we go along, uh, you know, the whole Main Street USA as credits and how that relates to Disneyland out in California and all that stuff. Now, when I got there, people were complaining, like the older folks again, that when they went through traditions, it was... Three days of traditions, and then, you know, now is only two, and we weren't doing what we were supposed to be doing, and all that stuff. And now, well, they've cut down traditions from two days to one day. They they used to do still, like, at least an hour in the park at the kingdom, and they've cut that out completely as well. But um, still, it's an eight-hour day from, from, you know, 8 a.m. until either 3.30 or 4.30, depending on when you start. But huh. it's still it's still a full eight hours. Although our college program only get four hours, but they also have other classes they take throughout their term while they're here. But if, if Disneyland's only going four hours, that, I could see... I could see a reason that, you know, people would be upset, because I, I don't think you could get the full traditions experience in less than eight yeah, and I'm trying to remember if I was two full days or a single day. And, and then Mike was hired at the hotel, which at the time, was it still Rather when you hired on? But if not, no, it was No, no, no. I started there in October of 88, and they had Walt Disney Company purchased it yeah. from Rather but it was, January but it was, of 88. It was a whole separate hiring process. Yes, yes. So. But, you know, within oh, two my, years... My paperwork was crazy. Within two years, they had, you know, pretty much merged as much as they could. Sure. I still went... Well, I still went to... The old, you know, administration building for my, you know, uh, orientation, yeah, you know, the yeah. walk through the park. But when your area tour rep came to get you to take you to your area, we walked across to the hotel and did the whole thing over again. Hey, Earl, here's a funny bitch that I've always... I, Disneyland cast members used to have it really lucky. We pull in at 1313 Harbor. You might park uh, 15 feet from the, what was called Harbor House. Maybe you parked... 500 feet and you ran in, but you you really just parked in the main parking lot with everybody else over to a section that was for cast members. You could almost be there five minutes before your shift if you worked in the right area. 
and you know literally do the the Batman jump into your your costume and be to work on time. Now they've got to park eh, three quarter half a mile, three quarters of a mile away. Take a little tram over there. When I remember, I took a backstage tour that Richard managed to arrange back in '86, and the guy was telling us how the cast members park kind of off-site. They they then are you know taking a tram over down to the costuming. They can change their costuming. Blah blah blah. How close does the average cast member park to where he works these days? If you're at the Magic Kingdom, you park out in the middle of nowhere. I mean nowhere. Like just just like you said, they take the bus from. Well, their wardrobe is now over in the parking lot. But the parking lot is all the way in back. If you're familiar where the where the monorail parking area is, where the where the long roundhouse is that what it's called? Roundhouse. Yes, roundhouse. Yeah. I'm not a train person, but they park the trains and the and the monorails back there. If you've taken that tour, go I'm, back about about another quarter mile past that. But if you're not familiar with that, just say it's out in the middle of nowhere okay. behind the Magic Kingdom. Now, costuming for the Magic Kingdom at one time was in the Utilidors, right? It was, yeah. It was right um, right basically underneath Fantasyland, And now, And now is it just maybe the characters costuming that's down there? Uh, there is still, I think, entertainment's down there, but I, I don't know. I, I don't work at the Kingdom, so I rarely go in the tunnels. I'm not a big fan of the smell. <laughs> I, I can only imagine. There's really only one tunnel per se at Disneyland, and that's under Tomorrowland between the old Circle Vision or the Buzz Crap Lightyear thing or whatever, over to the Carousel of Progress building, and it connects a kitchen to the old Tomorrowland Terrace. And yeah, it's it's there's trash down there, the grease you know from the kitchens. It does create a certain ambiance, I guess you could say, that you, you recognize that smell when you're down there. Like, have you ever been down in Pirates? Because I can't imagine that the Pirates in the Magic Kingdom is much different than the Pirates here. There is a certain uh, wet, dry rot smell that is very unique, and you, you'd never forget it if you've smelled it once. Yeah, and if they if you ever see them at any of the water attractions, at least here at Walt Disney World with the lights on... With the with the high moisture content that's in the area, you wouldn't want to walk around there. And but yeah, that's that's exactly what that odor is. It's all mildew and you know just bunk. Yeah, you can't yeah. really help it. I'm sure that's like that at any water attraction, any place in the world. I would think so. And uh, even even worse, where there's a lot of wood, and you'll get that you know. Wet wood, yep. the, the dry rot, the, the the mildew, yeah, yeah, same kind of stuff. So, how do the cast members at Disney World then, if they have a let's say an 8 a.m. shift in the Magic Kingdom and they have to park in BFD, do they clock in at BFD or do they clock in at their locations or in the utilidors? What's the process for how early they demand you be there for an eight o'clock shift? Well, you have to be in your location. If you're do it at eight, you have to be in your location at eight o'clock. Okay. And do you take so that means if you're at the Magic Kingdom, and you have to rely on making sure you're, you have to catch that bus, you have to get there. I don't know. Once again, I've never worked at Kingdom, but you got to get there early. Hope you don't. You didn't just miss a bus. Hop on that bus, drive about a quarter mile or about a, or about 
three-quarters of a mile to the Magic Kingdom, hop off, then walk across the Magic Kingdom to your location, and then clock in there. Oh, and, that blows. Now, when yeah, it does, yeah. which is why one of the main reasons I haven't worked there is just because of the inconvenience. Now, when you're off, do you get walk time for changing? Or if you're off, let's say, at 3.30, when do, excuse me, when do you leave your location? Uh, well, we have this wonderful thing now called cast zooming, which means you take your costumes home and do your laundry at home. Oh, I was going to ask you that. So, they they have some of that fast, out here now, and, uh, I guess. Hair too, fast and, track, and, whatever. So when you do that, you don't get walk time. Interesting. Now, do you find that the condition of the average park employee as far as his uniforms, are they looking better, worse? Um, I mean, costuming used to take, I thought, pretty good care of our costumes. I could get a fresh one every day, especially during the summer when it was hot. I, n- I never had to look. You know, I came right out of the military almost into Disneyland, so you know, a press shirt was important to me to, to look good. But, <laughs> I mean, I see some cast members that I think they had to take a few seams out and put a few more pleats in to get on some people now, which isn't the image that Disney used to have, but uh, they're not looking so dapper and pressed and clean anymore. In some case, or they just don't fit right. When I worked at Knott's Berry Farm, they actually, this was a little different at Disneyland because you did take your costume home, but they fitted it to you. They gave you three costumes, and you went to the wardrobe, and they, they measured the length, they, they hemmed them, they did everything. Disneyland, you got to hope you're within the range of the 29 to 30 or, you know. Yep. Uh, well, since since cast members are taking them home, it, I think it varies from person to person, but they are still pretty good about, um, well, management getting out there and, and checking up on making sure that they have, that the cast members are looking presentable in their costumes. Um, I don't know. I, I don't like feeling grubby, so I tend to, basically, I, I take five home, and then a week later, I'll... I'll well, back when I was working in the park, just because I'm lazy and don't like doing my own laundry, I would just trade them off every week. Mm-hmm. Trade five for sure. five. Why not? It was just easier. But the, the good thing, the good thing about about um, wearing your costumes home, you don't have to worry about getting there that extra half hour early to wait in line, grab your costume, change into it, and then you know walk across the property. Yeah, best case scenario, I tried to do it at the end of the shift, but occasionally you just want to get the hell out of there and you do it at the beginning, and that, that could be hell trying to get to work on time. But yep. Now let well, me ask. The, oh, go ahead. When I worked at Epcot, at the end, um, like I always worked closing. So when I worked out over at Epcot, and at that point in time, they weren't re, they weren't issuing new costumes. They were just taking costumes in, so I couldn't do that. I had to do it before. Well, you could get you could get five costumes at a time, put them in your locker, and then just show up. You still had to, you know, change your clothes once you got there. I just roll now. I could roll out of bed and put on my clothes and head to work just like a regular person. So if now if you work at Epcot or the Animal Kingdom or MGM, you can park much closer. Is that what I'm hearing? Uh, well, Animal Kingdom's still kind of out away. Well, because Animal Kingdom's so big. Mm-hmm. It's just spread out. Animal Kingdom, the lot is actually near the guest lot. It's in the front. It's just off to one side. You have, it, it's the parking lot is the equivalent of the guest lot, but it has a separate entrance. If that makes any sense. Yes. Yeah. Well, you know, like you have to go in by by the buses. That's like the way Disneyland used to be. And there's a backstage area to for the cast members to go in and yeah. all that. Okay. Yep. So uh, you park there, and it depends. Hopefully, 
if you're lucky, you have a, uh, an area towards the front of the park. If you're unlucky, you're working at Everest, and you've got to walk all <laughs> yeah. the way to the back. Or Conservation Station. Oh, oh you know, <laughs> Just the middle of nowhere. Yeah. The, okay. But, no. Epcot, Epcot, their their um, parking lot is halfway between Future World and World Showcase, so that's that's perfect. As being a cast member that's been there a while, has there ever been an explanation, or have people that work there ever asked why the new parks don't have the utilidors like the Magic Kingdom? The well, from what I've heard, is because it's money. <laughs> Just because, well. The, and and I don't think I don't think that the state of Florida or the EPA or whoever managed the manages the environment would let them do that again because the the ground moving that was involved with the Magic Kingdom that was the largest Incredible. the largest you know land moving development ever you know they built the Seven Seas Lagoon was flat swamp back then and then they, they dug that it. whole entire lake lake out. Yep. Yes, the largest private construction at the time in the United yeah. States. Though supposedly their governmental authority over that land is it's, it's to the point where they could put a new power plant there if they wanted to. Yet, they can do whatever you know, they want. politically would they go through some of that because of the, you know, in Walt's day, I probably would say, you know, what they knew about nuclear power stations at the time, they probably would have if he needed the power, he might have done one. I uh, though I still think you know, overall, we've had what one Three Mile Island. We've it's been pretty safe. France gets, I think, eighty or ninety percent of their power from nukes. We seem to run away from them and hide because that's what we do when environmentalists, environmentalists like Gene Fonda and her ex-husband, go out there and bitch and moan tree, about a tree huggers. Oh, God, tree I rem- okay, I'm assuming by the government you, you're, you're saying Reedy Creek, right? And 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 the, they got the permission from the state of Florida back in the '60s to yeah. build a nuclear power plant if they wanted to. Well, I'm gonna, yeah. Can I clear up something about oh, Reedy Creek? Oh, please sure, do. Sure. Go ahead. Okay, everybody Everybody talks about how, how Disney owns Reedy Creek and Disney can tell Reedy Creek what to do. I have seen several occasions when the building inspectors from Reedy Creek come into an area and everything is up to code, good to go, and they don't sign off on the attraction the day it's supposed to soft open. Yeah, so therefore, guests can't can't get on. And no. then the next day, the same inspector comes in, and not much has changed, and they sign off on it. If park park management would not get that mad if they had total control over Reedy Creek, no, I don't I, think they have as much control over Reedy Creek as all the websites say that you know we built this government so we could have, you know, Reedy Creek basically runs a lot of the stuff around. Yeah, what's the population of Reedy Creek? Seven. Eight. Know. Yeah. Whoever I heard, I heard some. Oh, well, Jeff. Jeff had that guy. Uh, that the, building inspector. The, yeah, the building inspector guy. Probably the same guy. Um, and what did he say? That like seven or eight like trailers. I've, I've yeah. seen. Yeah, I've yeah. seen There's random some... trailers around, but. Well, I think that Earl, you made an excellent point because um, being in a, you know, architecture construction type business now, and I kind of see how this governmental thing works. And I, I posted two or three uh, posts to the thread about Epcot and, you know, what it could have been, should have been, and Disney World property, yada, yada, yada. And, you know, would Epcot have worked? Some guy was proposing that maybe it would only have been good for temporary uh, residents. 
and you know once once you establish that governmental entity like let's say Reedy Creek at the time Walt was there and all you know they established it they got people elected to her how they established you know the uh, commission or, but those people change and you though it may have been established by Disney over time things change it's just like the board of directors now compared to what they used to be and what they might do now though it might be disney sort of things change and 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 maybe now because let's say you get a couple tree huggers that get onto the the uh reedy creek commission or however it's set up you know it could totally change the dynamic of what they allow to be developed in the land now back back in walt's time perhaps i mean i'm well 99% 99% sure that, that Walt did get, you know, Reed Creek started so he could have control, but Walt isn't around anymore. Hey, really? You know? Yeah. <laughs> are you, sh- I, are you sure, I've Earl? <laughs> well, I've heard rumors on the internet that he's actually in a room in Cinderella Castle. Really? On ice, on ice right? See, it used yeah. to be he yeah. was buried below pirates on ice, and I checked that one out. I can guarantee you he's not below pirates in, in the uh, New Orleans squares. That, I think I heard. I also saw someplace on TV that he may be in the Disney vault. <laughs> oh, really? Oh. With, with all the videos, I'm not oh, okay, sure. Okay. Yeah, but you know that goes to true. But let's say Epcot got built, right? And you got all these permanent residents. At some point, it's it's probably some kind of uh, like condo community or what do they call that? Uh, see, you've got homeowners your homeowners association. Your homeowners association for the, your CCNRs. And don't ask me what CCNR means at the moment because I'm going blank. But California something. Yeah, that's the California. But anyways, you get these people together who all get on the you know the the board for the the condos or the the planned community, and they start deciding you know they don't want any pink houses anymore, or any basketball hoops on the houses, whatever they want to clean it up. When Disney may have established Epcot, might have been one thing, but as time goes on, and again people change, you don't know what could have happened. I mean, how is celebration going after? Uh, was it 10 years or so? I, I went to a seminar with the Urban Land Institute once, and they were c- celebrating celebration and how this was a model community for a new type of uh, building experience and living experience for people, though it's very strict from what I understand, but clean, hopefully beautiful. Has it kept it oh, up over the years? Is, celebration is great. Um, I have a friend of mine who bought a house there in 2000, and I if I recall correctly, I'm not. I can't remember the exact date that Disney gave celebration to celebration. I forgot the exact time frame of that, but uh, I think it was. I think it was around 2000. And it is just well, actually, from what I've heard from him who who lives there, the rules have gotten actually more strict since Disney <laughs> let it go as when they were there. Wow. Well, that's what, about yeah. you, but you can't let your lawn get get past like your ankles on Wednesday. But on Thursday, it's okay. And don't put your garbage out more than three hours before the garbage man's going to get there. And you can't paint your house uh, on a Tuesday, but you can do it on a, on a Thursday. And don't even think about it on a Sunday. Yeah, that's and, why I vow never to know. get in a planned community. Yeah, I, I don't know, but I, I wouldn't do it. But But he loves it there. I know everybody. Everybody who seems to live there loves it. You know the well, pictures I've seen on of it is it's a beautiful community. And the houses, the architecture is gorgeous. Because um, they're buying into the concept. Well, I think, yeah. I think that's what it is. The people there are friendly. I mean, it's kind of odd 
I mean, me growing up in su- in suburban Detroit, you walk around Celebration and literally you walk through a neighborhood. Okay, I could be a guy, who knows, scouting the area, looking to break into houses, but people say hi. And they're like, although on the other hand, what better way to, to keep an eye on your Dis- community than, discourage you. than, than to say hello and you know make people know. But it, it was just the oddest thing. You walk around and people do. They, they talk to you. They say hello. They strike up conversations, stuff that I wouldn't even dream of. But it's kind of cool. That, yeah, that would be nice. I mean, I've... Excuse me. I work with a couple guys who are all into the urban rebuilding. You know, we need to compact into the cities and stop driving live, their cars. Live, work. Yeah, I, I'm. Yeah. I'm like mixed on it because you know a lot of the places they're doing it out here, they're not changing the infrastructure. They're just packing more shit in and going vertical, and, and they're they're well, not doing any. And you you can't walk to the grocery store. Oh, exactly. It's, you can't it's, walk to yeah. what you need to. You it's not speak. like living in Frisco or in Chicago. Uh, New York, where you know you, you go to your little deli on the way home or whatever, pick up your day or two of food. We're, we we're, we are in suburbia and they're trying to make it urban, and I don't think they're thinking far enough in advance that you know they've just impacted these roads now severely because people in California have a hard time getting out of their cars because our public transportation blows. You know, there's there's a reason that terror uh, the, that the L.A. subway isn't on the terrorist hit list. There's nobody on it. <laughs> right. I'm still I'm I'm waiting for the uh, the light rail to pop up between Orlando and, the airport? and Tampa so I can oh. I can commute by rail. I would love to do that here. I, I would do it if it was it worked. Sure. I mean, there are times I have to run. It, this means nothing to you, Earl, but I'm in Newport Beach. I get a call from a client. I got to run out to Indio. That's out in the desert, a couple hours away. If I'm commuting in. I'm shit out of luck. I've got no vehicle to go. I, you know, I could commute back home, go get it. But the, the loss of time, we're, we're just not built into the urban city type of thing. But I would love to jump on a monorail or something to go to work. Now, there's something. Since you've been in you know, the bubble, when we were out, see, I, I was still at the park. So maybe by the mid-'90s, there was supposedly a plan to take a, a maglev from Miami all the way up to Orlando and to the Disney World area, and there was all kinds of fights, supposedly fighting over the rights of where the stops are going to be, because of course every city wants to stop, but then that takes away from the high-speed train getting from A to B to C quickly when you're stopping at D, E, and F in between. Uh, the Japanese were supposed, supposedly wanted to build a German version, because the German version had some better things, and the, the you know, because the, they were both working on the maglev, which we yeah. stopped investing in the 60s on, because we're very short-sighted about things like that. Um, any talk about that still going on? Well, there's there's talk about uh, setting up. It, it keeps going back, like in, in you know Florida, whatever red tape crap. Um, it's been it's been brought up on for for votes numerous times. It's been passed like twice and voted down like three times. And every other year, it seems it's going to happen or it's not. But it, for, the last uh, the last proposal that was on the ballot wasn't between Miami and Orlando. It was actually just between Tampa and Orlando. Really? Hmm. And it was it wasn't uh, like the the Miami Orlando one was more for tourism, but this one was actually for well, tourism was one point, but another point was because there are people, believe it or not, who work in Tampa that live in Orlando, and people who live in Orlando that work in Tampa. I believe it because we have or, we have people that drive long distances, San Diego up to Newport Beach to work, ugh. you know, stuff like that. We have I have a guy that does that. 
I know I know numerous people who work at Disney and they they live in Tampa. Wow. Really? They're they're driving they're driving that far for you know, people who just started with the company, so they're making, you know, seven bucks an hour and they're driving two hours. Hey, speaking of Tampa, how's the dark continent doing these days? You know what? I haven't been to Bush Gardens in a long time. That's after the wedding. That's that's one of the first things on our list. Uh, we're gonna get. Uh, actually, I've been to SeaWorld either. We're gonna get annual passes for SeaWorld and Bush Gardens after the wedding. It's I, just before then, you know, things are more important to save our money. Oh sure, I I went to the Dark Continent in '86. I was by myself. I we just got done with our trip. I was heading up to Eglin Air Force Base in the Panhandle, and I had a day to kill. So I I went down there and when it struck me that they, you know they had this wild animal like park, and when Disney was going to do their uh, Animal Kingdom, I'm thinking, wait, doesn't doesn't isn't there one just down the road at the Dark yeah, Continent? Yeah, they're a zoo. Is it? They, I, are, I, they are. They are literally a zoo. I did not take their little tram or whatever. I stayed in the amusement park, and it it seemed very much like a Knott's Berry Farm. They had some of the same kind of rides, off the shelf park rides. Uh, I actually had, worked at Bush Gardens at one point in time. Hmm. Yeah. Back in, in 2002, uh, I worked there for a period of two weeks. <laughs> wow. Well, you're a whew, seasoned cast member over there, huh? Oh, yeah. It was it was, it was was all. Well, you know, it's no... Uh, I mean, coming from Disney... Yeah. And, like, the, the supervisors there were, were 18. <laughs> And here I am. I'm, I'm, you know, 29 years old, and you can't do that, sir. I'm like, wait, my, my manager was calling me sir. Oh, that's it was bad. Kinda funny. <laughs> that's but kinda funny. the cool thing was, I was working on one of the coasters out there, and I've always wanted to climb a lift hill. Oh, you're insane. <laughs> and I got to climb the lift hill to the top of Kumba. And stood up there for a couple minutes, and it was swaying back and forth. And I'm like, "This is pretty fucking cool." <laughs> <laughs> you can bleep that out if you want to. Wait, wait. I was with, do, I ha- do I have to? If it's up to you. That <laughs> that was me speaking as a Bush Gardens employee. Oh, okay, okay. Because well, so, so that wasn't me, Disney cast member. That was me, Bush Gardens. Employee. So that wasn't you, Earl. That was you. Whoever he uh, is, Tampa Bay uh, cast member, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and but because you know I'm not big on that post production crap. <laughs> okay, <laughs> drop a boing in there. I don't screw that. Dark Continent yeah, employee so loses it at top of Earl, roller coaster. Earl bomb. That's all. It's I'm like I've achieved my goal. I can't get any higher than this, and I quit the next day. <laughs> and I wasn't even finished with training then. I'm like, uh, yeah, do I have to give two weeks since I'm not really done with training? And they're like, no. Okay, so I, I so they have the same turnover that you know Walt Disney World and Disneyland are experiencing right now. Well, our turnover is a little bit better than that. Well, okay. Here's my way of driving it back to the original subject. Okay. okay. <laughs> too late. <laughs> what, what, well, there's that's not too late. You know, we're only 50 minutes into it. But that has direct uh, coalition. He's talking about another theme park and how it was like to work there. So the I, point the point is that you know Disneyland's turnover is creeping up to 80 percent. Now, who's saying that? Are you taking that strictly off the websites? I'm quoting Al. Well, why I say that? Because like we were talking earlier, who's who knows the least? The frontline cast members. Where's yes. where's Al's information? Uh, Al's usually uh, we, pretty we, right on. We, we've established that before that his rumors are coming, usually pretty good. But we know it's coming from the big building out back. Do we? Percent turnover and how long? He doesn't say. He See, doesn't that say. could be. I mean, it could. 
could be 80% turnover in, in five years. I mean, or or eighty percent turnover in three weeks. There's a big difference. No, I think a huge it's difference. I think it's months. <laughs> I, I, I you know my gut is it's like people are staying six months or less. I don't know. I'm starting to see the same people. I go quite a bit. I'm starting to see some faces that I keep remembering remembering that aren't the old faces. You know. So, um, you know, I, I always, I guess I give. As much as we bitch about Disney on the show, I give Disney a little bit of the benefit of the doubt on some of this stuff that there is just some cynical people out there who don't want to give the brighter side. For instance, that guy who wrote Mouse Tales. I happen to know the artist who did, I think, his first two covers. And I've heard him talk on a local radio show about... Koenig? 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 Yeah. I I think he's going to be at Mouse Fest. I've heard him talk on Bill Handel's show... And I was in the park or at the park at some times when some of these incidents or things happened. And I'm sorry, you know, it's from a certain point of view, he might be correct, but they're not exactly 100% truthful. They might be a little disingenuous sometimes. And I couldn't give you a direct example right now because I really didn't want to read a book like that because to me that was a little... You know, I like to keep a little happy thought. I realize there's problems, but I don't want to just read something to read somebody bagging on... Yeah, yeah but parts, okay. Yeah. Why why would uh, someone who's never been to Disneyland, but you know, almost practically lives inside the Walt Disney World bubble, come back and say that different their guy interaction, their, their interaction with cast members almost you know ruined their trip. Well, uh, again, you know, I could spoiled it for them. I could say that about my Jungle Cruise person, the bus driver who was an hour late, and I st- stood at Pop Century for an hour waiting for a bus. Uh, you know, I could start listing off the same things that made bad experiences. The woman at Pop Century who wasn't senile enough to check me into the hotel and kept <laughs> us there for 45 minutes at the desk because she couldn't, you know, uh, straighten out Kendra, Katrina, and Karen. Now, granted, who was stupid enough to name, you know, have their wife Karen and their kid Katrina and Kendra? And then luckily Vincent was so different that she had no problem with that one. But she had us in the wrong rooms. She had the keys all screwed up. And she's telling me, oh, it's a good thing you didn't get one of those young people because they wouldn't have been able to get you through all this. And I'm like, uh, <laughs> Was that was that people that were placed in the wrong room when you got there? No. It, that- we had a party of six in two different rooms in Pop Century. And we had my wife and I and my son in one room, my daughters and their a female friend and they had the female friend in, in our room and they had the son in the other room and the, all the cards were to the wrong room so they didn't open the doors they didn't charge right it was just all screwed up okay right there i'm gonna i'm gonna be a, a liaison to the front desk or, or no i'm gonna play the role of concierge <laughs> i used to work front desk so i'm gonna play devil's advocate that's what i'm thinking of I've done that because I've worked. See, I've worked as a night auditor in a hotel, and I've worked as a night clerk. And when I was in the military, I ran the military hotels. So I'm very. Wait, stop right there. What? I blame DRC. Don't. Don't. don't Do you, you know, you sit there and talk about how you know your military life and everything, and now you're spoiling it. People think you might have actually done something real, and now you're telling me you're <laughs> freaking barracks. Hey, so, hey that's my cover. That's my cover story, like Earl. I can't oh, tell yeah, you. Okay. I, I had to sign that form that said I couldn't tell you what I really did in the sure, service. Sure, you know? sure. So that's yeah, my, okay. But anyways, I have experience when I got well, out of the service. Real military example. 
for you. I worked oh. at the freaking But anyways, please help well, well, me well, why this happened, because my first trip went like clockwork, and the second trip was all effed up at the beginning. It okay, got better. How did, you, how did you book your trip? Did you book it through a travel agent? Uh, no, I booked it through the online Walt Disney World, Jeff suggests never doing your life package deal. Uh, okay. That's, that's what I did. Well, what happened there was the person that inputted your information from the Disney Reservation Center made a typo and put wrong people in the wrong rooms. And then when when you went to check in, and automatically everybody's already assigned to a room when you get there. So you got your keys and you left and you wrote the, the person, okay, well, two people, two people messed up. I mean, it was a mistake. People are people. They make mistakes. Understand. Disney, Reser- Disney Reservation Center messed up to begin with. So, so, and they put the people, you know, mixed up your party and put you in the wrong room because, well, one, one, one bad thing about online is they don't have the, the interaction that, you know, where well, people can ask questions. Actually, and then when, the, when you checked in, if they didn't ask you and confirm that all the people that were there, they weren't doing their job no, right. Well, well, that's a whole different story. Okay, that's, th- there's my point because I actually think up to the point I got there, Everything was okay because, you know, I check all the paperwork. And because we had two rooms and I wanted adjoining, I did stuff on the Internet. Then I got on the phone. Hey, Mrs. Whoever, Miss What. And i got to say, the phone people are pretty um, friendly, seem fairly savvy. I always call. Oh, yeah. um, I always call the 407, but whatever I, it is. I always back it up with the call. I, you know, I'm going to make the reservation. Then I call to make sure everything's right. So, anyways, we get there, and it all seems to be in order. But the person behind the desk... Could I mean you know, here's our IDs, here's the names, and and then she'd leave in her wheelchair and say she'll be back in a second because she couldn't understand something, and it was just I paid for preferred room. She goes, you don't want one of those. That's noisy over there. Uh, that's what I asked for. I thought, no, 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 you don't want that. I'm going to put you over here in the fifties building. I didn't ask for the fifties freaking building. I asked for the preferred room so I'd be closer to the front. You moron. I mean I didn't say this stuff, but it's like I was so frustrated. I'm. Never taken that long to check into a hotel in my life. It was now, just bad. Earl's brought up a point I want to examine. You say that your rooms are assigned before you get there. How how much before you get there are your rooms assigned to you? Uh, well, it varies from... It, it all depends. So, well, usually, okay, what happens is... Here's the process. About two weeks before you get there... Um, DRC downloads reservations to... Your results. Yeah. We don't have any information be- before then. Uh, and only at that point in time, only people in the back office that, that they're top secret people. I don't even talk to them when <laughs> I worked up there. Uh, they have access to that. And the frontline people, the people you call in, if you call up, like, you call up Coronado Springs, people you talk to on the phone then, and you say, hey, could I request this room? All they can do is pull up your reservation and put in a request, but the room assigners look at, you know, all the different, you know, how many conventions are in town and, you know, is it baseball season and blah, blah, blah. That's when the Ruba signers do their mumbo-jumbo. I have no idea what they do. I just check people in. But requests, the, the key thing is requests are requests. We try as much as possible to get your request done, but we can't guarantee anything until arrival. Boy, you sound just like a company shill when you say that. Isn't that great? But you know that's so true though. Having worked in a hotel, Mike, and you worked in a hotel, you know, there's a, you know, can I be close to a stairwell? I love. I worked in the DoubleTree in Orange, and it was, you know, some guy had predicted a big earthquake coming, and people would request to be right next to the elevator, and I just, 
sir, you, you, how about being closer to the stair? The elevator won't be working if it's, you know, an earthquake. Uh, Big one comes, yeah. <laughs> so it was just kind of funny. But when I worked in hotels and we did reservations, you know, we have different types of rooms. And the reason that we tend to overbook sometimes is because if you got X amount of rooms, you don't really plan that – you know, this guy is going to be in this double room. You're just saying, I've got X amount of people, X amount of rooms, and you're covered. And then as people come in, it's kind of like a first-come, first-served basis. You, you fill the rooms. Uh, and, and the reason I'm asking this is because Jeff from Houston's got this theory. It sounds like when he gets there, he goes to the park and plays all day, tries to check in Late. later. So maybe his standard room isn't available. He can get a free upgrade. Is But if, <laughs> if they're pre-assigned, then I that's... I love that theory. Well, not, okay. It, it all depends on when he goes. The last couple of times here that he's come have been slower times. Like he tends to come in the in the off seasons more or less. So we never said theory, he was dumb. So his theory could work, but if anybody listens to Jeff's tips and you're coming in the summertime or during the holiday season, that won't work. You come at night, you're going to get smoking rooms. Although those are those are getting fewer and farther between. Okay. Because so they, for, for, like, the room assigners usually assign, like, the connecting rooms and all the stuff that are, you know, certain requests or, actually, you, those aren't even guaranteed, but if they're, if they're, they assign certain groups, like, if you have a party of five, there's only about four rooms on property that you can sleep in without, you know, breaking the law, and, they look at party size and do all this stuff. I don't even know what they do. But not all the rooms are assigned. Uh, they do, like, the the front desk people do, We, you know, if the room isn't assigned at check-in, we'll find them an open room, and you get what you can. But if the rooms are assigned at check-in by the room assigners, then you get what you got, and that we can't change them. Well, let me Although ask you. I don't, I don't work front desk anymore, but that's the way it was. How do I talk to a room assigner, then? You can't. Well, let me ask you this, Earl. Once again, those are the people that we didn't talk to. Those are the people in the black coats and the uh, yeah. the black sunglasses no, I mean, that you don't talk to. We, they, well, we would like if you if you would call the front desk and talk to one of the people in the phones room and put in a request. We would put a re- we would add your request to your reservation, and then the room assigners, if they would look at all the requests and if it was possible to give you your request, they would assign a room to you. If that makes sense. Yes, sure, okay. it does. So let me we, ask we you. Would, like a guest would be able to talk to a room assigner directly, and and the the cast members making taking the request can only put in requests. They can't guarantee anything. So like it, like when my parents came down, I went and talked to a room assigner. They laughed at me. You know? <laughs> nice. So so yeah, and I worked there. So, so when I show up to yeah. the the Grand Floridian in August, at the end of August, which is a very slow period. Would you say then, when I roll off the red eye at 6 in the morning, take my Magical Express and maybe get out there by 7, and I'm blurry-eyed and, you know, tired, and I'm nice to the cast members, really you're kind of saying if there's room, it's at the whim of the front desk clerk, whether or not they want to go through the trouble of possibly looking for a free upgrade or not. Do they have the ability to just say, sure, you know what, we're not booked, we have the room, I'll give you this you know, uh, you know what? I I admit I only worked in moderate resorts. I never worked in the deluxe. So moderate resorts really our upgrades are, 
you know, a $10 upgrade, so it's really not much of an upgrade anyway. Parking lot view so versus no parking lot view. No, I have no idea about how the deluxe resorts work. Never worked in one, and yeah, so I have no idea. I only worked in the moderates, so there was a pool view or a non-pool view. Right, yeah. So that's, that's about it. Hmm. Or a river view, or a lakefront view, or right, you right. know that sort of thing. So I have no idea about the deluxes. Yeah, I'm interested. I would want to work at deluxes. That's, that's where you really start kissing, but yeah. <laughs> that, that's full resort. I'm really interested. I've got a theory, and I'm going to see how it plays out on the whole bus travel thing. I actually, I don't want to say I enjoy the buses, but to me, the the bus is part of the bubble experience. You know, I don't. I've never used a car to get around the resort. I've always just used the bus. It's just to, for me, it's something you take for granted. Why pay another 150 bucks? Whatever. I just do it. I don't feel I lose a whole lot of time, except in a few small incidences where, for whatever reason, you know, a bus must have broke down or, you know, something. Staying at a deluxe resort is the service could be any better as far as bus service. All you know, well, do they run more buses? Are they a little more careful because somebody might be spending three to four times a night what a person down in a value resort just kind of see how it's going to play out because i've never stayed in a moderate i'm going from value all the way to the top at a whim here and seeing how the service goes i mean any any clues on the whole bus thing you know what i've heard rumors about that but i i couldn't i couldn't confirm anything i me and disney transportation i have no need so i well sure yeah (laughs) I'll, I'll ride the monorail every now and again just to ride the monorail. Actually, when I go to the Magic Kingdom, I always park in the guest lot and, and take the monorail in just because it's easier. I um, think it's cool. I, I I dig the monorail. I, I dig the monorail, too. And and the fact that, well, cast members aren't really supposed to be going in the backstage areas when or they're, they're off working, yeah. especially post-9-11. So if security sees you walking around without a costume on, they'll kind of question you. So even though even though you have an ID, you'll be good to go. It's just less of a hassle. If I want to go play in the park, I want to play in the park like a guest. Although a lot of times it's more convenient like in certain areas to go backstage. <laughs> but but most of the time I go right through the front. So Kingdom, I'll hop on the monorail. That's about the extent of my Disney transportation, though. Hey, so let's ask some inside questions. You know, we, Mike and I yeah. both worked at the park. You know, when we'd go eat at the in, in between or the deck, these are the part. You know, the employee eating places. You know, a lot of people bitch and moan how terrible the food was, how overpriced it was. You know, I I, I looked at it like I did at the the dining facility we had in the Air Force. You got to know what you're gonna get. You know, if you if you want uh, scrambled eggs at you know, they scrambled a freaking hundred eggs together in a big vat. You're going to get a big vat of scrambled egg type of meal. But, you know, some of the individual, it's kind of hard to screw up certain types of food. Some of them watch out. But what's it like there? I mean, is, is it reasonable for cast members to eat at the at there? Or is, is it unreasonable? Is the food any good? Okay, I'm going to tell stories about how before my time it was great, according to the older <laughs> cast members. <laughs> sure. And this is as good a place as any to take a break from our two-hour-long marathon episode of MiceCast. I know those there are those of you out there who like the long show, but I can't post a show much more than one hour and 45 minutes where I'm going to have bandwidth issues. We'll run out of bandwidth and the show won't be downloadable and all kinds of bad stuff. So we'll be back uh, with our next episode, and we'll finish up our discussion with Earl on the comparison between Disney World cast members and Disneyland cast members. 
I'd like to take a moment now to run through some quick housekeeping. Send us an email, greg at micecast.com or mike at micecast.com. We will look to do a mailbag show here soon. We've had some good show suggestions. So send us an email. We'd like to read your email on the air and uh, take what you suggest and give it a micecast spin. You can also give us a call at our voicemail line at 206-600-MICE. That's 206-600-6423. I'm Mike at MiceCast, and thank you for listening. This show is a member of the Disney Podcast Network family, hosted by Jeff at Meandering Mouse. The DPN is a collective discussion forum consisting of some of the finest unofficial Disney podcasts available on the Internet. Pay a visit to www.disneypodcastnet.com and join in on all the fun with your favorite Disney podcasters and listeners.